0: he's a a cool guy he's brought his uh, swagger to the gym I'm looking forward to getting to know him better Um, I've not um, had the privilege of spending too much time with him yet because we train at separate times most of the time Uh, so when we overlap I like to watch him Um, he's a slick guy and uh, you know he's a very cool character so I'm looking forward to watching him progress and watching him fight as well
1: Cheers Uh, I'll jump in with one then Um, now you're back at the Coldwell camp uh I imagine the vibes are really good. Obviously everyone's back in the in the gym together. Um, is that sort of was it sort of to the end of your camp? Was that sort of a real motivating factor, the fact that you've got everyone back around you, everyone's got the same sort of goal um to get back after coronavirus? Did that sort of motivate you um
0: coming forward to this fight? Yeah, it motivates you. And it's good because you know that's the training team that I'm I'm used to having, and um, we we used to training for fights, and it's me, Dave, and we're working on, on different things, and we got Hopi there who's coming over the last year, and you know helped out with sparring, and it's a good atmosphere. Like I said, the vibe's good, um, so to have you use your usual team and, and going into a fight um, after COVID lockdown to be able to have your usual camp, um, good sitting at the gym with your usual camp is great so yeah we, we all motivate each other I don't think motivation is something that we lack in the gym uh, so you know it's business as usual and we've we cracked on and done a good job.
2: I'll jump in I've got a few questions um Ames here for Boxing News TV smash that like and subscribe button because they are giving you a thrill in the form of Jordan Gill uh, Jordan firstly are you shaving the hair before your fight or are you keeping the that you got for it now? I'm
0: not trusting myself with a pair of clippers in this hotel. <laughs> um, so I'm keeping it and uh, live all last if you're keeping, keeping it. And why, why have you kept it? And the reason why is because I've not wanted to risk anything. You know, I thought if I get COVID from uh, a barber, from going into the barbers, then I'm never going to forgive myself if I have to pull out the fight because, you know, I, I, I've uh, failed the test. So, you know, I've not taken any chances. I'm keeping the hair as a, as a tribute to lockdown. And uh, like I say, I'm getting mixed reviews on the hair, but it's probably the thing that's uh, least on my mind.
2: Last time we saw you on British Shore was in a losing effort against Tonoko, in which, after the fight, you ruled you had health issues. Do you feel any pressure to perform on the basis that this is the first fight back for British viewers to see you in the ring since that fight?
0: Um, not not any added pressure. Um, if I won that fight and went into this fight, there'd still be the same amount of pressure. Obviously, it's a must win fight, and every fight's a must win fight. I think, uh, you know, you've got to prepare diligently for every contest that you go into, and, and I have done this time, and uh, the pressure that's always there um, is there. And, you know, the main pressure on my behalf is the pressure that I put on myself, and uh, I perform better under pressure, and you'll see that.
2: I want to get your comments on something I saw earlier Jordan like interesting in, in an interview I saw on Sky Sports Boxing Channel with Matthew Macklin uh, he picked Reese Bellotti to win in your fight he questioned the fight with Tanaka, and he believes that there's something more to the defeat He said he spoke to a few people and heard that you've been put down in the gym you don't like body shots questioning your toughness can you clarify if there's any truth in that the rumors that Matthew Macklin heard
0: there's no truth in that there's mm. no truth I've. I've, I've not actually seen it, so I'm not sure 100% what i said. But they, I've been in the gym with Dave for three years. He's never seen me touch down. He's never seen me hurt in the gym, spot, ever. And that's head shots or body shots. So, you know, if I'm lying, then we'll see on Saturday night because Reese Blythe throws plenty of good body shots. And uh, I don't need to prove myself, uh, but I will.
2: Is, is it hard to predict your feelings after a fight? Because, like, do you think after the win that you're looking for over Reese? It might feel like a chapter close on that Tanoka defeat and then you're back on track.
0: Um, I think so. I think um, we'll be pushing on to big fights after this. Um, you know, it's a crossroads fight, but it's really important for us both to win. So, you know, we're guaranteed big fights after this and there's plenty of big names in the featherweight division and um, I'll be targeting them all.
2: And just your prediction for your fight against Reese? Win at all costs. Thanks, Jordan.
3: I'll um, jump back in, if I may. Sure. Yeah, Jordan, would you consider this, if all goes well on, on the night, would you consider this the best win of your pro career so far, or would it still be Ryan Doyle, perhaps?
0: Um, it's an interesting question. I think, yeah, it probably would be the best win of my career on, on um, so far. Probably, maybe not on paper because Doyle beat Blighty, but, you know, styles make fights. I think stylistically this is a great fight. It's a hard fight and it's a fight that, you know, because of the preparation, and the build-up is uh, a fight where there's extra elements to it. And um, I think all things considered, this probably would be the biggest win of my career and probably the furthest um, that any other fight would have done.
3: I want to know your feelings about the British title as well because you've been brought up in a very traditional boxing background. Your dad's a, a well-known amateur trainer. Um, you've been at the Ingle Gym in the past as well, spent some time there. Is the British title something that you kind of dreamed about as a kid and that you really want to win? Because there's a bit of a log jam for that belt at the moment.
0: To be honest, I've never even thought about winning the British title. It's not something that concerns me. I, I, it's a nice title. It's a nice title to win. and uh, you know It's hard to keep hold of because you have to defend it three times to turn it outright. But you But know, for me, whether I have a box for a British title or not, I'm not bothered, to be honest.
1: Thanks. Uh, I'll just jump in quickly. Um, obviously, Bellotti's quite a come-forward guy. Uh, in this fight, do you expect... To get that side from him, or do you expect for him to maybe change it up and try and box you? Obviously, that's a difficult task if he does. But you know, when people look at the matchup, they think if he does just come forward at you, then you are going to be able to just outbox him. So, what do you think, uh, boxing style, we're going to get out of him?
0: Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I, I'd expect him to come forward and try and put as much pressure on as possible. I think in the Grandelli fight, he put a lot of pressure on, but it probably wasn't. Um, as effective as he'd like it it to be and I expect him to more effectively pressure this time having learned the lessons of that defeat so um, I'd expect him to come and put a lot of pressure on and then expect me to you know fold under that pressure but it's something that we're not going to allow and um, you know if he does come and try and box then it will be a boxing match and either way I'm preparing for to deal what's in front of me Um, and I'm not doing that by looking at specifically what he does i'm doing that by uh, preparing myself to be as sharp and and adaptable as possible in that ring
1: and just finally from me obviously looking through your social media we can see that you're a guy that does like to keep fit, live the life and uh, make sure that you're always sort of boxing ready was it difficult with the lockdown obviously not having all the facilities available to be able to do this did you find that a difficult time or did you just sort of motivate yourself
0: anyway i motivated myself Um, for me it was hard um, to take the hard, hard pill to swallow the fact that my fight was cancelled in March. I was meant to be boxing on the Josh Kelly versus David Havana saying card on the 28th of March and Boris Johnson come out and locked down the country that week. So a week before that fight, which was a long time coming for me anyway, um, you know, it was cancelled and that was a hard pill to swallow. So I had about three or four days where I felt sorry for myself and I um, didn't uh, stick to my diet and didn't do any training. I did a bit uh, because I can't stay off it. but. Um, I, you know, felt sorry for myself for a couple of days and I motivated myself and got back onto it. And, um, you know, we saw the lockdown coming maybe a week before. The fight was up in the air. We didn't know if it would get cancelled or not. But, you know, we knew there was a chance. And when we knew there was a chance, when my coach, Dave, said to me, um, you know, if the country does get locked down and we have to train at home, then we can use this time to uh, close the gap on people that are ahead of us and uh, further the gap of people that are behind us. And that's exactly what we did. Um, I motivated myself and made sure that I um, stocked up on the correct equipment that I needed for my training to make sure it adapted the best best way possible. And um, Dave was on the FaceTime, with me and my dad, who trained me as an amateur, um, three times a week, we didn't miss one session. Um, same as my SNC coach, Danny Wilson, at Boxing Science. We uh, was on FaceTime twice a week doing strength sessions and also doing conditioning sessions as well. So, lockdown for me was a training camp. My nutritionist, Scott Robinson, was on the ball all the time. Um, you know, he provided me with um, every, every little bit of support that I needed. So, you know, it couldn't have gone any better for me. Brilliant. Thank you, mate. Got time for one more if there's any, just before we
2: get going. Yeah, uh, Jordan, if you don't mind, uh, I, just, I know you're super, super focused for your fight, but I just want to pivot your mind just briefly for uh, the headline fight in the pay-per-view of dillon White
0: versus Alexander Povetkin. Can I get your thoughts on that fight, please? Um, it's a great fight. Um, Povetkin's a good fighter. I like his style. He's a good, cat kind of puncher. Um, but Dylan White's, you know, he's got a lot of momentum. He's um. Is a bit of an animal. Um, is a nice guy and and somebody that probably one of my favourite heavyweights because you know he's 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 there to fight and yeah, he'll always give it everything in, in every fight. So I'm expecting it to be a big fight, uh, an exciting fight. But I'm not sure who wins. I, I'd I'd favour Dillian White just because you know he's he's very good and I like him. But it's I don't I haven't really looked at all of the cards and and thought. You know, oh, I'm looking forward to this fight, or that fight. I just, I'm concentrating on my fight. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm super focused. And you know, after my fight, I hope everybody has a good fight. Um, but all I'm concerned about is uh, getting the job done on Saturday. that's of look Thank you. Thank you Jordan.
1: Cheers, thanks, guys. Cheers for your time, Jordan, mate. Cheers,
4: Back on behind the gloves with another interview. I'm joined by a in-life version of Eddie Hearn. Finally, first and foremost, how are you? It's been a while.
5: I'm good, mate. I'm excited. You know, we had a plan a while ago, and uh, to see it come into fruition is, is quite humbling, really. To be honest, like I don't want to sound, you know, like uh, you know, well, not even cocky, but I don't want to sound cheesy. But it is, you know, it's this is our HQ. It's my old family home, and you know, we're in a state at the moment with in in sport, in boxing, where things are, are difficult. And to come back with a project like this, I'm really proud and I hope everyone enjoys it starting Saturday night.
4: When was the light bulb moment? When did you go, you know what, Bunny, I want boxing in my back garden, when did it, that come?
5: Lockdown had just started and I was sitting out here, but I can't tell you that it was like a magic moment because I've always talked about doing it. You know, We did an uh, Andre Ward press conference here a few years ago. We had a ring in the middle. We had uh, public workouts for media and stuff like that. And we always joked about, we should do it. We should do a fight night here, it'd be unbelievable. but. Obviously, four weeks of that and no crowd and, you know, building a facility like this, we would never have envisaged. I mean, I'm looking at that canopy now, I'm thinking, how much was that? Do you know what I mean? you change the changing rooms, all individual changing rooms, the fighters, showers. But once I get the bill, I'm going to have an absolute nightmare. But I wanted to make a statement. I wanted to show people that we're major players, that sport is a, boxing is a major sport. And I don't believe you can do that in a little studio with no energy or no atmosphere. So people are excited. People are talking about fight camp. People are talking about, when's a show in your garden? Is that real? You know, but that's all about hype and perception. But the quality is good as well. The fights are good. And I think it's going to deliver.
4: You obviously are going to say all four cards are amazing as you're the promoter. But from a fan standpoint, which one are you looking forward to the most? Which one do you think delivers the most action?
5: Well, I think you can't, you know, when you talk about White Poveckin and Taylor Passoon. It's a massive night. But you know, when you look at the three uh, normal Sky Sports nights, I do feel like one is probably the strongest. Two might be the most important because of uh, Harper-Jonas you know, in terms of the first All-British Women's World Championship fight. But there's, I think there's a lot of sleeper fights on the cards that people might not you know, know too much about. And like, when you look at week three and you look at Felix Cash against Wellborn, I think that's going to be a great fight. But I also think Zelfa Barrett against Eric Donovan is a great fight as well. Shannon Courtney against Rachel Ball. He's a great fight. People might not realise how good that fight is. Even Akib Fayaz against Kane Baker on week two. Conway against Mansour is a great fight as well. You know, Billum Smith against Thor is a great fight. So I think, you know, people do look at week one and say this is a banger. And by the way, so it should be. It's the first one. So we hope that it delivers what it should do and what it says on the tin. But I feel like now we've, we've, we've almost we've done our job. You know, we can go out there and say, guys, it's over to you.
4: Just uh, taking away from the fight camera a little bit, I just want to take your reaction on something that happened a about a week ago. Oscar de la Hoya didn't turn down the opportunity of maybe fighting his own fighter Canelo yeah. in his comeback, which I thought was really strange. The first image that came to my head was you against AJ, even though you weren't a fighter yeah, yourself. It's, yeah, but it's, it's a slightly, bit strange.
5: It's slightly different. Oscar weren't a bad fighter. Um, you got to be careful, you know. It's difficult in that position because you know, my relationship with aj I'm, i've never been a fight like I can't, you know so but with oscar he was a great and obviously i don't know if there's part of him that it's a bit of a weird thing to say but almost doesn't want canelo to eclipse him you know or his legacy i don't know maybe i'm wrong but and i'm not saying that that comment was about that but you have got to be a little bit careful because sh- probably canelo will start thinking mate what what are you talking about you know like so, I don't know. I think some of the Oscar de la Hoya comeback stuff's been a bit strange, but listen, people are talking about it, and, and, you know, when you talk about Tyson returning and people like that, Oscar de la Hoya's still quite young and fresh, and, you know, but I feel like those days are over for those guys, but, um, you know, was a, was a, was a brilliant fighter.
4: You talk about comebacks, you mentioned Mike Tyson, Roy Jones, crazy. I don't know how lockdown has influenced that, but one thing I want to talk about that fight is that the fact that it's gonna be fifty dollars yeah. for an exhibition match, which sounds kinda of weird as well. I
5: just think the whole pay per view price in America is crazy. Like even sixty nine ninety nine or whatever it normally is, like it's a lot of money. It's fifty quid, it's forty five quid, whatever it is. And you know Tyson against Roy Jones is forty pounds on pay per view. Exhibition as well. Yeah, I know. That's my worry. That's my concern with a fight because if they if they turn around and win, do you know what? We're going to get in there and we are going to go absolute hammer and tong at it. I might pay. Do you know what I mean? But there's too much uncertainty. of What is an exhibition? They might they might do a round and then do an interview at the end of the round, and you'll be sitting at home watching it. Game. What the fuck? Like or you know, someone's just messing around and dancing around and stuff like that. I would rather, although it shouldn't happen. I would rather they went at it. I'd pay then.
4: There's one file on the undercard that obviously you know well of, Jake Paul. Um, I just want to ask first and foremost, is everything between you and Jake okay? There was a little story that went about you unfollowing him or something? I not really know because someone
5: started messaging... Like, whenever you do anything that's YouTube related, my feed just goes potty, right? So someone put out, like, breaking news, Eddie Hearn unfollows Jake Paul. And when I went to my Instagram, I looked at it and I wasn't following him. So I was thinking, I've, I've never... Clicked unfollowed Jake Paul, so maybe I was just never following him. So then I thought, shit so I followed him, and then people go, Oh my god, he's re followed him. I'm like, Bloody hell, does it really matter? So, um, I just it's another world, isn't it? You know, hey, Jake, by the
4: you way, you get picked on everything you do,
5: yeah, 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 it's all right, mate. I've got I'm used to it now, but Jake Paul can fight like he's he's not a muppet, he, he's he may be one of the best out there in, in that world. Um, I don't know the guy he's fighting, I think he's an ex hey,
4: Robinson, ex NBA, court,
5: NBA. Uh, NBA, yeah, so um. It is what it is. It's going to do well. You know, listen, we've been offered it at Sky.
4: What, the Nate Robinson?
5: No, the, the whole night. You know, they're going, to be, they're going to be pay-per-viewing it around the world. So it's difficult because it's probably going to be a bit naff, but probably a lot of people want to watch it.
4: Finally, just one more question. We are back as of with no crowds. Premier League potentially coming back in October. They're going to do some pilot testing. What, what do you know about boxing coming back to full arenas? What sort of the, um, the time length are we looking at?
5: Well. Conversations are ongoing with the government. I and mean, we're, we're lucky enough to be approved as a test event for the World Snooker. It's about 350 people starting this week in Sheffield. And it's just constantly trying to take baby steps. You know, 1,000, 2,000, etc., etc. So, you know, then we get to a point where can we get a full O2 in December for AJ? We hope so, but a lot depends on the numbers, where we go from here. Is there going to be a spike? But right now, we can just focus on what we do know, which is for the next four weeks, this is the home of boxing. Would AJ fight here? He would, yeah. Yeah, he was here recently. I mean, he used to train on his lawn, you know. But of course, we want to bring people back and we want to drive revenue into the show. But if he has to fight behind closed doors, he will.
4: Awesome. Eddie, appreciate time as always. Good. Hey, Fight Fans, it's Michelle Joy
1: Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video. And we also have a free app available on iTunes and Google Play. So make sure you go ahead and download that. Bye, Fight Fans.
4: Okay, Peter,
6: so we're here to talk about the latest big thing in boxing, something that's sort of come out of nowhere um, and huge. And I'm almost going to call it like the ultimate lockdown fight. So we've got an eight round exhibition being fought on the 12th of September in Los Angeles between Mike Tyson, 54 years old, 50 wins, six losses and 44 KOs and Roy Jones Jr., 51 years old, 66 wins, 9 losses and 47 KOs. Now, those two names don't need any introduction. You know, they're, they're incredible legends in the sport. And But this has blindsided us a bit. I mean, I know we've seen, um, you know, some clips that Tyson's been releasing recently. He's lost all his weight. There's been these 8 to 11 second clips of him looking ferocious and phenomenal on the pads, looking like the Mike of old in these short clips. Uh, and then we were talking, obviously, about Evander Holyfield. Shannon Briggs was mentioned. UFC fighters were mentioned. But nothing actually came to fruition, although it looked like the Holyfield fight was going to happen. It just fell through and and kind of evaporated, which, to be honest, a lot of these older guys fighting has happened. remember Nigel Benn a while ago. We got all excited when he was going to fight Chris Eubank again. Then it was going to be Psycho Beaker, the date and the venue was set, and it kind of went away. Um, And now, obviously, we've got Tyson back. And then all of a sudden you thought this is just a, a tease, if you like. And then... All of a sudden roy jones pops up the date is set the venue is set and here we go but there are a lot of questions to ask about this you know a lot of questions to answer about what they're actually going to do if they're actually going to do it and how are we going to interpret it and what does it mean for boxing and why is it just taken over the internet i mean the first thing we need to look at is the genesis of this fight i think a lot of people still think of jones as the middleweight light heavyweight of old and i think what is he going in with the heavyweight destroyer tyson but actually the genesis of this fight goes back to 2003 2003, interestingly enough, was the last year that Mike Tyson won a competitive fight. He'd just lost to Lennox Lewis in 2002. In 2003, he fought Clifford Etienne, and he won that fight, uh, KO1. Um, Jones, at the same time, made the jump from light heavyweight to heavyweight, totally bypassing cruiserweight, and he fought John Ruiz for the WBA heavyweight title. And gave ruiz a bit of a boxing lesson used his skills and his speed you know that legendary to, to outsmart ruiz and to win that title to annex that title being only the second man in history after bob Fitzsimmons in 1890 to jump from the middleweight or to win the middleweight title and also to win the heavyweight title so at that point jones was flying as high as he ever could go really um or ever was going to go and there was time there was talk then that he would have a defense against uh, mike tyson or lennox lewis now jones said Openly, he didn't want to fight Lennox Lewis. I mean, Jones is 5'10 and a half, you know, and Lewis was 6'5, uh, 6'6. Six, six, six. And, and Jones saw that as an untenable fight. Ruiz was a short heavyweight that he thought he could outspeed and outskill. Tyson, on the other hand, was interesting for Jones because Tyson is 5'10, a smaller heavyweight. So that fight was talked about. Um, and actually, the bookies had Jones installed at that time as a two-to-one favor in 2003 um, against Tyson. So that you know just shows how high he was flying. Now... Obviously, Tyson went on that that fight never happened. Jones decided to move down to light heavyweight, fought Antonio Tava. Um, and that fight was you know Jones won on points, but people were not happy with the outcome. So he fought Tava again, and he got knocked out. And then, in a way, we would say that was the Jones decline, you know. But he was still fighting uh, as 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 recently as 2018. And to be fair to Jones, he's won 12 of his last 13 fights, but not against really top notch opposition. Um, Tyson, on the other hand, you know, went on the next year to fight Danny Williams and lose to Danny Williams in 2004. And then he fought Kevin McBride in 2005, looked terrible and lost again. So he lost three of his last four. And in 2005, he walked away from the sport um, and hasn't fought again. So now we're coming into this incarnation 17 years after he last won a fight. It's only 18 months since Jones won a fight. And this just seems to have blindsided us. You know, where did it come from? And they're going to fight an exhibition in uh, on the 12th of September in Los Angeles. And this is really where the the question marks start for me. What sort of exhibition is it? I mean, you know, uh, California state athletic rules say that an exhibition has to be fought with headguards and 16-ounce gloves. But they seem to have bypassed this a little bit. And Mike was initially saying they were going to have headguards. Now they're saying they're not going to have headguards and have 12-ounce gloves. It's an eight-round exhibition, um, and it's not going to be scored. And everybody just keeps asking the question, who's going to win this fight? Who's going to win this fight? Well, you've got no judges. So the only way that somebody can win an exhibition is if it's a KO, or if it's a you know, or if it's a TKO. Now the director of the California State Athletic Commission says he does not expect them to go out and hurt themselves, hurt each other. Um, you know, it should be an exhibition, an exhibition of boxing skills. He's also said if there's a cut, the fight is The exhibition is immediately going to be stopped. So you'd think there's a bit of a lower standard of intervention than in a in, 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 a, in a general fight, um, but. You know, this exhibition thing is fascinating, really. People don't understand today what an exhibition is. I think that's why everybody's got so excited about it and saying the fight, the fight, the fight. It's an exhibition. Fighters would very, very often box exhibitions because between challenging fights, their fans would want to see them. Nowadays, if you want to see any fighter, you just go to YouTube or, you know, the the access to the fighters is so extensive... You know you don't want to see them necessarily sparring or doing an exhibition but in those days you know in ali's time particularly ali would box many exhibitions because his fans wanted to see him move around the ring use some skills there is actually footage of tyson doing an exhibition in 1987 with james quick tillis now tyson had beaten tillis in 86 um uh, and, and stopped him in 86 in 87 tyson had just beaten tyrell biggs he was 32 and 0 so really at the top of his game and there was a show in chicago and as an added attraction on the undercard he boxed a four-round exhibition with tyrell biggs it was controlled it was good to watch you could see mike's movement speed of hand you know footwork everything else but they were both wearing headguards and it was a bit like kind of glorified sparring and that was like i say a very common thing but in the modern age it has just died out so people don't know what an exhibition is so an exhibition should be that and I suppose the question mark is whether, um, you know, everybody keeps saying, oh, yeah, but when they get in there, they're really going to go for it. It's going to be Tyson of old against Jones of old. You know, it, it's going to be an intriguing contest. I'm not so sure about that. These guys are professionals. They know exactly what they're doing. I hope they do go out and show their skills, you know, and I hope they're not really trying to knock, knock each other out. If they do try and do that, conventional wisdom is going to say to you that these guys are pretty much the same size. As I said earlier, Jones, five, ten and a half, you know, seen as a smaller man, but actually slightly Taller than Tyson, Tyson at 5'10", but obviously a lot thicker set or has been throughout his life. But Jones has been campaigning for the last few years at Cruiserweight. So the difference in weight will probably be negligible. Um, but Jones was always trademark speed. Tyson also had that phenomenal speed and they both had skills. But it was really Jones' speed was made him absolutely outstanding. Um, the speed has declined and that's when he started to get tagged. So, you know, and he can't jab Tyson off because, you know, they've they, they, they got the same reach and the, and the same height. So he can't just stick that jab out in Tyson's face, which is the popular blueprint to, to get round Tyson. Um, having said that, the other the flaw of Tyson is that when he was fighting, you know, 20 years ago, people saw him as a three round fighter. He'd get you out of there in three rounds or he'd lose. So you've just got to get out of those first three rounds. So, you know, that's probably I'm sure what Jones is going to be, because obviously having only stopped boxing in 2018, he's going to be much you know, much, you have much more endurance in that room, be able to throw the punches in combinations for longer in the eight rounds. Tyson's going to be dangerous in the first three rounds. So that would be a conventional thinking on it. The, the bookies are taking odds on this, and the bookies are making Tyson quite a big favourite, which again, the question hasn't been answered. And that's kind of the strange thing about this fight. You know, I mean, when Mike signed for this fight, he, he broadcast it from his house, signing the paper, and he was smoking a reefer. You know, which I know he looks great and he's got the abs back, but that makes me think you're not taking this 100% serious. Um, you know, which makes me think maybe they have got a gentleman's agreement. They're going to go out and spar and look good and show their skills. Um, but the thing is, they've got such um, a pull on this. You know, when Mike first got um, got into shape and started picking out these little videos, and was like, "What the hell's going on here? Is Mike Tyson back?" Um, you know, I think he did say, "Listen, I'm, I'm a fighter. That's what I do. I want to fight." I will fight anyone for a million dollars. If anybody pays me a million dollars, I'll fight. Now what Mike did then was massively underestimate his value because these clicks have been going crazy on these training videos. You know, I don't know what purse they have negotiated. Now, like I say, details are sketchy on, on, the, on the real sort of rules and outcomes of this, of this fight exhibition. But Mike must be getting a lot of money because it's gonna blow Canelo out of the water. The number one pound, how's he gonna feel? The number one pound for pound fighter in the world proven credentials. He's fighting on the 12th of September, the big beasts are back. And then a guy at 54 pops up and another guy at 51 say they're going to have an exhibition. And that's what people are interested in. I mean, you know, imagine Wilder, Fury and AJ, you know, all the big popular names, they would kill for the numbers that Tyson could generate at this age. that's the amazing thing about it. Um, So I think, you know, we may well see that Canelo date fall by the wayside. I've heard that he said to the paymasters at uh, DAZN that he's not taking a pay cut. He obviously got that massive um, contract, you know, a, a couple of years ago. He's not taking a pay cut, even though there'd be no crowds. There's no opponent yet. You know, guys are not going to want six weeks, whoever is picked. You've only got six weeks to really get in shape for Canelo. So, you know, the top boys aren't really going to be interested. So I think all attention is going to focus on Jones and Tyson. And what are they going to do and how is it going to play out? And, and what are the bookies going to do if they're taking these bets? And if the fight goes the distance, then nobody wins. So, you know, and who's going to decide who wins? Well, in a way, it's great that the fans are going to decide who wins, you know, because we can have eternal arguments about that, presumably. Um, But how are the bookies going to pay out? Or I presume they're just going to cancel the bets. So still a lot of unanswered questions over this. And and, and also in that history of exhibitions, Peter, we've got to remember, like I said, that lots of fighters used to do this. And we talked a little while ago about Jack Johnson, you know, the great um, first black heavyweight champion of the world between 1908 and 1915. And Johnson famously was boxing exhibitions up until 1945, when he was 67, you know, he boxed uh, last, just a few months before his death, he boxed against Joe Janai, a uh, three one minute round exhibition fight to raise uh, fund, raise uh, funds for, for war bonds for, for the US in 1945. So, you know, a long history of exhibitions, a great thing for fighters to do. The idea is that it's not a full on fight where you're going to take damage, you're going to take punishment. It's something to showcase your skills. Uh, give something to your fans, you know, entertain them, keep your name out there. And and I hope that's what it's gonna to be to be honest. I hope that's what this will be. I'd love to i am I'm gonna watch it, you know, I'd love to see a few flashes of the old Tyson in the footwork and the sidestepping in and they get it inside. I'd love to see a few flashes of the Roy Jones if he can still pull that big right long right hand lead and then snap back, you know, and of course that left hook from Captain Hook. I mean, you know, I'd love to see it and I'm excited about it. And I think I think it's great for the game. I just hope it is what it says it is. It's it's an exhibition. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. In terms of picking a winner, I mean, you know, I just, I just hope boxing's gonna be a winner in this and they'll both look good and they'll, they'll go out and they're obviously gonna make a lot of money and get a lot of hits. That's, that's all I hope for it. Um, you know, but if you're gonna look at it from an analytical perspective, it's Tyson early or Jones late.
7: Do you think
6: um, that there's a chance here that Mike Tyson will, who's an expert at generating publicity and PR and well understands how to get his name, totally out there when he bit lennox lewis on the leg at the press conference i mean that Mm. was not a mistake at all so do you think there's a chance that he's walking into this thinking you know what i'll wait till you know the middle of the fight towards the end of it and then do something really extraordinary just to sort of
8: relaunch myself as the baddest man on the planet do you think there's a chance
6: there's a chance because there's always a chance with tyson and this was why we used to watch tyson so compulsively Um, Not only the amazing skills and the excitement of the early career, but in the later career, even when he was fading, you never quite knew what was going to happen. You know, I mean, was he going to try like, you know, like Franz Botha? Was he going to try and break his arm? Was he going to bite his ear like Evander Holyfield? Was he going to do something crazy? You know what I mean? Uh, He just seemed like such an unpredictable loose cannon. I think this is a different Mike. You know, like Mad Mike of a few years ago, when you thought maybe this fella ain't going to make old bones. It doesn't look good. You know, he's mellowed a lot. He's a lot wiser. He's a, it seems a lot cleverer. You know, he's done a lot of things since he walked out of that ring and walked away from boxing in 2005, including that incredible show. You know, Undisputed Truth, um, the biography. You know, he's this is a, this is Mike Tyson's second act in American life. Mad Mike is gone. You know, maybe he still pops up now and again. He can get quite emotional. But in general, you know, I think he's quite a well-together person. He's obviously had a lot of therapy. He seems to have stabilised his life. So I think this incarnation of Mike Tyson is not going to do that crazy thing, those crazy things, but that will still keep us
9: watching.
10: This is Rob Turbot for Boxing Social in association with Betfred, delighted as always to be joined by Eddie Hearn. We're down at Fight Camp
5: here in lovely sunny Essex. Eddie, how are you? I'm good. I suppose it looks a bit different to when you were here last time. I was joking earlier that, you know, I think last time we just had a little poxy ring in the middle and everyone was probably thinking, this is a bit naff. And I think, I hope that when you turned up today, you went, wow, like I did a few days ago. And I think like the fighters are now and, you know, for the next four weeks, this is the home of boxing.
10: Certainly is a different feel from, obviously, when we came down a couple of weeks ago. Ring is a little bit bigger. It seems like there's been more work that's been done. Um, how big of a challenge has this
5: been just this week? Uh, just Not just this week, but, you know, over the last, I wow, mean, it's probably been three months. You know, sometimes people look at a problem as one problem, but really it's loads of little problems wrapped into one. So you have to just work day by day overcoming each of those problems and those hurdles. And, you know, having now seen the fighters pass their tests yesterday, I got mine this afternoon, fingers crossed um we're there you know we're nearly there we know the weather's going to be good for this one at least and that's just the key just get through the event now you know drive the interest make sure people tune in and then ultimately drive drive hopefully what will be a great event on saturday night
10: Now, before we come on to talking about the event on saturday night something i've been keen to ask you about um other people maybe not as keen to find out as i am but Matchroom of up their game somewhat in lockdown. You've had your rebrand. You've got a new website. Talk us through those changes and how you've been forced to kind of think about things a little bit more digitally with the lockdown.
5: I just think that you know, obviously the digital digital movement is important, but it's really given us an opportunity to focus on where we're going as a business. And sometimes you get so wrapped up in the buzz of live events, you never really get a chance to sit back, talk to the team, and 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 plan the future. The rebrand and the focus of that is very straightforward. We're making a move to be The sole player in boxing, and you know, people will say it's not possible. People will say that will take years, but that's that's the move for us. It has to be the move, and we're trying to be slicker. We're trying to be better. We're trying to copy the UFC on a lot of things, which I always joke about, but it's the truth. You know, I'm such a huge admirer of their content, their branding, you know, their presence, everything, and um, we just want we want everything that we do feel like it's major. And that's really the ethos behind Fight Camp. You know, when I see people going studios and I see people going empty casinos, I, I don't criticise that because they're doing it, they're getting out there, they're making it happen. But it's not for us. Like if I'm gonna do it, if I'm gonna lose money, then I want it to make have a huge impact. And I know that broadcasters, fans yeah. will be watching this from around the world saying, them are major players, and that's what's important to me. I wanna deliver something that others can't. And show me someone else that's delivering something like this in boxing. It's not existing.
10: You mentioned that about kind of losing money. And I know you've kind of mentioned it around certain other interviews with regards to this. How much of a hit is this going to be on you and why are you okay with doing it?
5: One, we've got no choice. Two, I'm not prepared. We've had a great 10 years. We've had a great last five years. We've made a lot of money. So you have to understand that sometimes, you know, things just aren't rosy every single day. You build a solid business and you build the foundations of a business and you build cash reserves in a business to be able to withstand the peaks and troughs that others can't. So when you have to make an investment to maintain the momentum that you've worked so hard to build the last 10 years, then you do it. If you don't and you go, oh, do you know, I'm going to go on early and we'll come back next year, someone might overtake me. Someone might forget about me. Someone might forget about our fires. Sky might say, what the fuck are they doing? The zone might go, where's Matrim?" We're a vehicle. We're an we're noise, and we have to keep that noise going consistently. But we have to keep creating compelling content. You know, you would have seen promos. I think for every single fight that we've we've produced, and it's just that quality, that look, and that feel, and that recognition that when Matchroom do things, they do things well, they do things right, and they are number one. And that's what we're trying to enforce. You know, and it's. Lockdown's been a blessing in many ways because I felt like even my life, you know, I felt like it was just week to week, suitcase to suitcase, and then you like you get to the end of the year and you go, Fuck, where has that gone? You know, I've I've had three or four months where I've been doing things that I haven't done for years. Getting up at nine, you know, going for a walk walking the dog at ten and maybe going in at eleven. You know, just taking the kids out every single day, having family dinners, sitting down at five, five thirty PM. And I've loved doing it. But now we're back to the nitty-gritty and you know so much so that my missus and kids are about to go away because they, they, don't, they probably don't want to be around me for the next four weeks because I'm now in, in beast mode. Yeah, I'm here today. I'm working. And this is where the, I look at a, a lot of questions today. Oh, what do you think about the top-ranked shows, the BT shows, the ratings? Where are they? Where's Aaron? Where's Warren? Where are you out there canvassing like a fucking cold caller Yeah, like me? grafting this every single day from when I wake up in the morning to when I go to sleep at night, across social media, across digital content, here today, Zoom calls, everything like, this is our bread and butter. You're nowhere to be seen. I know you're getting old, but it's no excuse. If you're in it, you're in it. And I'm going to use this as an opportunity to just, you know, I feel like we're up here anyway, Pastor, but I'm going to use it to skyrocket and leave everyone in our dust. That's what I'm looking to do because I've got the energy to do it. And they haven't. And I don't blame them. I wouldn't be doing it at their age. You know, I wouldn't expect my old man, although he would do it, to be out here grafting and, you know, just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. We've never put so much promotion into an event. Especially one like Cheeseman against Eggington on Saturday night. You know, this is, feels like a pay-per-view event. But we've had to, because we've got to grab your attention. We're fighting for eyeballs. We're not fighting other promoters. That's done. That job's done. We're fighting Sports. And we have to make sure people are engaged into this project.
10: Talk about uh, viewing figures. Much consternation about that, particularly in the, re- in the uh, recent Frank Warren shows. What constitutes success for you with regards to viewing figures? We've obviously seen the Premier League yeah. come back with massive numbers. Yeah. The darts, as you mentioned, come back with huge numbers. What constitutes success? What are you looking for on Saturday I night?
5: I don't want to jinx it because, just in case, it's not very good. But the, the, um, the viewing figures for boxing have been worrying. And so much so, I mean, again, not a pop up Frank Warren. I've seen the viewing figures. They're, they're abysmal. And even the top-ranked ones are. But maybe people just don't want to watch boxing in a studio. Maybe, more likely, people didn't even know they were happening. Right? So I need to come back here with something that says to Sky, that says to me, that's worked. Now, what is that range? I mean, for a Ted Cheeseman, like, if, you, if we had this card in a normal fight night, we would peek at, 100,000, right? Something like that. I'm looking for 200,000 plus, you know? And and that would be a big achievement for a card like this, but I've put a lot of work in. I'd be devastated if it didn't, and if it does only 100 or less, we might have a problem. You know what I mean? But I don't believe so, because I know every time I walk out for a coffee or for a bite to eat or to a supermarket, people are coming to me going, when's that thing in your garden? That's mental. When's fight camp starting? That's called building a brand. That's called building interest. That's called driving energy a narrative into what you do. And I hope it's worked. And we'll find out on Sunday morning at about 10am when the figure's come in.
10: you expect to see Mike Coppinger tweeting the the barbed figures with such vigour as he's done with the others? He's
5: already come on to me going, Oh, have you seen these numbers? Have you seen these numbers? Uh, I'm going to be reporting your numbers. And I thought, shit. And I was like, Mike, if they're good, can you report them? If they're not, can you not? So he's a bit brutal on that. But I guess that's the... In a, in a way, it's their job, but they're so surprised in the numbers that I think they've shocked people. Um, but they don't know it's happening. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't believe. like Even Warren shows, I'm not saying they're dreadful in the current environment. No one knows they're on. And that's a major problem.
10: Now we've spoken about the fights on this card in a previous interview. We are limited for time today, so I'm going to move on to, to other business. Showtime Sports announced their schedule coming back. Eight world title fights, nine world champions. I know you would have seen it. What do you make of their schedule?
5: Um, yeah, I had a little back and forward with old, with old Stevie baby. Um, I think, again, like fair play to them. If you're going to ask me honestly what I think about it, outside of the two pay-per-view events, tell me a fight you're looking forward to. Actually, no, because Nenito Denaire and the thingy's not too bad. But let's go through the others. David Benavidez against Romar Angulo. No, awful fight. Uh, Chris Colbert who I like Chris Colbert, but he's headlining an event against someone i never heard of. Stephen Fulton against Angelio Leo. Sorry. Uh, and I think... Lippin, yes, Abdu, Kakarov. Right, easy for you to say. <laughs> but Probably didn't but say that really right, forgive me if I not I will say one thing. Um, the Javante the Davis, Leo Santa Cruz and the Charlo events, strong night, strong events. Pay-per-view, the Charlo, oh dear, watch the numbers. Javonta Davis is a star. Javonta Davis against Leo Santa Cruz, in my opinion, is a pay-per-view event. And I think they've done a wonderful job. Listen, we're all guilty sometimes of, what do we say in England? Polishing a turd. Where you have, you know, uh, an, uh, something and you, you dust it up to make it look great. What they did was really clever. You know, they said, this is our schedule. And everyone come back and went, wow. But when you dissected it, I think, old Coppinger got a bit of stick because he said, actually, what are you... What am I supposed to look forward to there again? But the two pay-per-view events are, are great nights. Uh, Charlo, even the Charlo night, it's not pay-per-view, but it's a really great night. I mean, Charlo Derevenchenko is a good fight. And then you've got Charlo Rosario unification fight. So fair play to fair play at Stevie, baby. You know, we're not best buddies. And sometimes I want to just grab his cheeks and give him a little kiss. But it's going to be a while till I can do that again. But, you know.
10: We did interviews about a year ago, 18 months ago, where you basically said that Showtime wouldn't be around in boxing in 12, 18
5: months. Are you surprised? 12 to 18 months? A year ago. Okay, give me another six months. 12 months. Yeah, give me another six months. I I, there's no cast iron guarantee. Listen, we might not be around in boxing in six months' time. Boxing might not be around in six months' time. Fox might be out of boxing in six months' time. Like Anything can happen. I, I, I think you're very brave to think that, you, that Showtime have a, a deep, you know, long-term strategy in boxing. Because boxing's in trouble, sport is in trouble, content is in trouble. So day by day, but but you know anyone that comes back, Showtime, Top Rank, Warren, fair play. Like it ain't easy. So good luck to him.
10: What's the latest on Canelo Alvarez? Obviously, we're waiting on an announcement from him. I'm told by Golden Boy that we're that's coming very 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 soon. What's the latest?
5: I don't know. I mean, look, we put our guys in the hat. You know, uh, Bivol, Andrade, Ryder, Can, uh, Callum Smith. I believe he wants to fight Callum Smith. I do. I, I think September 12th is obviously unlikely now, but does it matter? I mean, not really. Um, and hopefully one of our guys get the pick. We're ready to go. They're all training. And it would be an honour to, to be selected as Canelo Alvarez's opponent. Where does that leave Billy Joe Saunders? I think uh, if he can't fight Callum Smith, I think he'll fight Demetrius Andre.
10: The stuff with Billy Joe Saunders, I mean, obviously we've seen him recently get his fine for his video that came out during social media. We've seen him now miss out on the Canelo fight. Were these kind of the haphazard things that we... Disgust when you took him on in the first place? He um,
5: say he missed out on the Canelo fight. He, just, he wasn't willing to take less, and I don't think he would have been ready for September. So he wasn't really in the mix, to be honest with you. He had. You no. Know, everything was really rosy, right? He had a defence in November, and he had the Canelo Alvarez fight. It was all agreed. We were a few days away from announcing. Unfortunately for him, something called COVID-19 struck, and you can't blame him for that. But you know, we need to get Billy back in the saddle. He's a world-class fighter, and he's still got a big future ahead of him.
10: Ryan Garcia versus Luke Campbell. Spoke to Shane McGuigan this morning. Despite what came out from the WBC, I understand that a deal is still yet to be done.
5: How far along are you, are you with that? Yeah, certainly no deal done. I saw that from the WBC. Uh, this is a problem. Like Shane calls me and goes, what? What's this? I go, mate, there's nothing. We're, like, we made an offer to Golden Boy. They've asked for more money. We're thinking about it. We're working it out. I believe that fight will happen. It's a wonderful fight. Um, so in negotiations. And you know, I, th- I think you're likely to see that very soon.
10: Where's that leave Devin Haney? I heard you talking about
5: Yuri Gamboa. You know, he's, he's in a mix. I think he's a good name. You know, I think it's a decent fight, but lightweight. Um, and he'll want the winner of Campbell against Garcia if that happens.
10: Gamboa coming off a loss, not in the WBC top 15. I spoke to Mauricio. He said he'd be willing to give Devin Haney a voluntary. But if he's not part of the top 15 in the WBC, how does that fight become a possibility?
5: You request uh, him to go in the top 15. And the WBC would have to review that. I think his performance against Javante Davis was decent enough to say he's a world-class fighter. Um, obviously took him deep in that fight Um, and I think it's I think it's a good name and a decent test for Devin
10: Final one on the heavyweights spoke to Shelly Finkel yesterday he said that Deontay Wilder he's not bad I'm still trying to work on getting him on camera but we'll get there I'm sure Uh, he told me that Deontay Wilder fully intends to take the trilogy Mm -hmm. fight against Tyson Fury does that change
5: your planning at all no not really I would expect him to do so but I haven't heard anything from Deontay Wilder yet so we'll see obviously a lot is dependent on getting people back into buildings that fight to happen but I hope it does because Dillian White's got the winner and AJ's looking to fight for the Undisputed in the second half of next year. If Dillian White beats Alexander Povetkin of course. Of course and that will all unfold right there. Eddie Hearn, thanks for very much speaking to Boxing Social. Cheers mate.
8: This is now the home of boxing for the foreseeable future. Cannot wait. Boxing is back on Sky Sports. It's going to be here for the next month. The garden of the Hearn family. Eddie, what has your dad said? You've ruined this garden.
5: <laughs> like the garden. The garden's done. The garden's in tatters. But. What, what a sight, what an occasion, You know, we had a pipe dream here when this all started that we just wanted to do something spectacular. This is the home of boxing for the next four weeks, culminating in the massive uh, night of August 22nd with Dillian White against Pivetkin and Katie Taylor against Delphine Persoon.
8: Now we caught up once a week on Zoom, didn't we? I know you got sick of Zooms but we sure. had some great exclusives. The Anthony Joshua one with Tyson Fury, the agreement, we've got to say, the agreement um, any words?
5: I'm hearing that you spoke to AJ last night. Yeah, I was with AJ last night. He's in good spirits. He's starting camp now for Kubrat Pulev. Obviously bumped into Tyson Fury on the streets of Marbella recently. You broke that exclusive, which got me in all sorts of trouble. You know, your wording was very interesting there, but there is an agreement between the two of them and, and the parties to take those fights next year, two of them in 2021. So we're in a good place, but of course, as the world has shown us in 2020, anything can happen. And right now the focus for AJ is on Kubrat Pulev. The focus for uh, for Tyson Fury is Deontay Wilder again. um, AJ's fight date looking like early December. We're gonna be planning that and announcing that. And hopefully as we start move towards bringing crowds back to events, we're lucky enough to do a test event for the World Snooker. Um, It's gonna be starting this week. And then of course, as we move into October, we hope we can bring fans back into the venues. But for now, this is the new norm. Well,
8: I, I did it was you told me agreement. Okay, i let you on. <laughs> um, what did, do you know what they said to each other, Tyson Fury and AJ? I didn't, I think
5: although, it was a, probably a bit awkward to be honest with you, because although people thought it was staged, it definitely wasn't. And I think it was just like, make sure you beat Wilder, make sure you beat Pulev, I'll see you next year. You know, I think uh, the two respect each other. You know, it's gonna be a great build-up. It's gonna be backwards and forwards, two very different characters as well. And it's the biggest fight in world boxing. So I think both guys are fully on board and they've just got to get the job done in December.
8: Let's talk about the next month going forward because I know you're really excited about this, and it just looks fantastic going. I cannot believe mm. we're in the Matchroom headquarters. Starts with a great domestic setup this Saturday, but then we've got Dillian White. Mm. Is he taking a massive risk fighting King when he knows he's got the potential winner of Tyson Fury, Deontay White?
5: He's taking a huge risk, and I think you know, what people are not realizing about this kind of environment is very different. You know, I believe you're going to get fighters that underperform. I believe you're going to get fighters that overperform. And what we've tried to do with fight camp, you know, the slogan is no easy fights. You know, the days of the easy fights, I think, for our sport should be gone. This is a great chance for us and the fans to start saying, okay, let's see these even matchups. Let's see these 50-50 fights. And on Saturday, we've got a a stunning card here. Of course, Eggington against Cheeseman is just going to be an absolute war here. But when you move on to the final week with Dillian White against Povetkin, you are right. He sat at number one with the WBC for 1,000 days now. It's quite remarkable they haven't given him his shot. It's almost comical now. But we've got our date of the end of February and we'll be enforcing that. But against Alexander Povetkin, someone that is extremely well-seasoned, someone that is an Olympic gold medalist, someone that you know, had a great fight with Anthony Joshua, a great fight with Vladimir Klitschko. You know, good wins over here um, against Huey Fury, wins against David Price. He can really fight. And you know, these are like the advert says, it's the two best left hookers in the sport, and it's such a dangerous fight. And I think just out there on the lawn is going to throw up so much drama over the next few weeks that you're going to see people expected to win who lose. You're going to see underdogs come through and win. But most importantly, you're going to hear everything. The punches landing to the ribcage, round the side of the head, the fighters talking to each other, the referees' instructions, the dialogue between the corner team and their fighter. So whilst we hope this doesn't last forever, sit back and enjoy the next four weeks of fight camp.
8: Now, you've done, it's a dual main event. Let's face it, I mean, I think next year could be the biggest year ever for women's boxing. Mm. And you've got Katie Taylor being delving soon in a rematch. For those who aren't aware, how... Con- I mean, it was a controversial result because many thought Kasuna had won. Do we have to give credit to Taylor, though, to say, look, you didn't have to take this rematch, but
5: you have? You need to give credit to both fighters. I mean, firstly, we wanted to produce an event on the 22nd that was huge. White-Povetkin's huge in itself. To do the rematch of Taylor against Passoon, one of the, not just the greatest women's fight I've ever seen, but one of the best fights I've ever seen. 20,000 people at Madison Square Garden were on their feet last June to witness that fight. Many people thought Delphine Passoon deserved to win that fight. But she's so dangerous, she's relentless. And Katie Taylor, really, most people would go, no, I'm done, you you would be, I'm moving on. Taylor says, if there's any doubt, I want to put that out of people's minds. So when we talk about women's boxing, I can't tell you how excited I am about women's boxing because these women are taking the big fights time and time again, unification fights, undisputed fights, and next Friday, on the uh, 7th of August, we've got the first ever all British female world championship fight between Terry Harper, who's a new emerging superstar of the sport, against Natasha Jonas and Miss GB, former Olympic medalist as well. That's the main event here. So, honestly, women's boxing is flying, and Taylor Passoon is just a joy to promote on what will be a massive night.
8: Finally, everyone's so excited looking at all the pictures on social media. I'm used to seeing you doing hit workouts here, and your dad doing his fishing by the lake. But just tell us more about what's going on around here because there's a hotel, the checks are so strenuous, aren't they? I mean, you must be proud of your team about how much it's changing because the whole venue looks completely different. It was a house before.
5: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very proud. We've got such a wonderful team at Matchroom. I'm not proud about the money they've spent. I've started seeing the bills come and it's madness. I mean, there's a, there's a five-star changing room facility over there. Everyone's got their own changing room, showers. It's madness, but this is a project. You know, you build hype. You have imagination. You try and build intrigue. And that's what we've done. Everybody's stopping me on the the streets saying, when's boxing in the garden start? You know? And and that's what it's all about. It's, It's about hype. It's about intrigue. And we're doing things differently here. So, you know, the protocol here is we have a media day here today. All the fighters right now down in the official hotel, they're in what is commonly now known as the bubble. They arrived yesterday, everybody got tested. We got the results back this morning. Every fighter tested negative, fantastic news. They have a private gym down there and they will not leave that facility. I go there today in quarantine. One up the hooter, one in the back of the throat, not looking forward to that. Um, hopefully my test is negative as well. I'll find out tomorrow, but I wanna be in there. I wanna be in that bubble. I wanna experience it. We're never gonna see this again, hopefully. So, this is, you know, for everything that we've achieved in the sport with Sky Sports, you know, going back to Frotch Groves at Wembley, Klitschko against AJ at Wembley, Madison Square Garden, AJ Reese, Saudi, AJ Reese. This, for me, is the most defining moment of our time in matchroom boxing because we're trying to overcome the odds by bringing you great entertainment and bring you an event and a project that you will never forget. So, the, the hurdles have been huge. We haven't overcome all of them yet, but we're nearly there. Just a couple of days, so tune in. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Saturday night, seven o'clock. We're right across what Sky Sports Action main event mix. Is there anywhere you can't watch Fight Cam? Whatever you're doing, get the barbecue started, pizza, a couple of beers, and enjoy the fact that big time boxing is back.
8: Enough burgers through through Lockdown. I'm going
5: to be eating plenty of burgers. Don't <laughs> worry Still about right, that. Yeah.
8: Well, no, it's not eighty thousand at Wembley this time, but we genuinely cannot wait. Because for now, this is the home of boxing, and it's all live on Sky Sports.
3: We cannot make out, delighted to be joined by promoter, Al Siesta. Um, in case you're hard of vision, you can see that Cold Wars is the topic at hand, and it kicked off last week with an exciting show. What, what were your reflections on how it all went?
9: Man, for the first show, it went very well, considering the circumstances I had, all the obstructions I had to overcome and continue overcoming daily. Uh, I'm pleased with the first show. Can you hear me well? Yeah, I can hear you well. Fantastic. I'm pleased with the first show. I think the fights were very competitive. As I predicted, the first fight, Gorokhov against Shonye, was an absolute all-out war. And Gajalev obviously outclassed Iwazidi and Chaniyev against Melnik was very competitive and Chaniyev's experience and pedigree prevailed, although we all saw that Melnik is a class act.
3: What's the next stage? Obviously, we've got three more shows to come, but when are you next out and how can people watch it, obviously, if they miss the first one?
9: For sure. The second show is on the 30th of July. Uh, It starts at 7 p.m. UK time. It will be live on Fight TV. Uh, the links are all over Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You name it. It's all there. And the card is very good. It's uh, with all Russian main event, but very, very high quality. I'm saying an equivalent of Joe Cordina fighting Luke Campbell. If it's in English kind of terms, it's two. I think it's number one and number two Russian lightweight. <clears throat> Sorry. Everything is great. And we've got... The first fight is Vladimir Mishov against Oscar Amador. I never seen Amador in better shape than he is now. He's every day in there, in the part of there's a little gym set up there. He look really trim, Danny, really nice and tanned, completely ready. You can see he's been, he's been in training. So he fancies his chances. Mishov is 9 and 0, young prospect, 20 years old or 21. So that will be very competitive. Eight round that will kick off. Uh, the show. And then Andrei Sirotkin against Karpet, another 10-rounder. Very evenly matched. He's a Ukrainian against Russian. And there's an all-entire Russian main event. Fantastic fight. Ikshik Nazarian against Georgi Chelaksaev. So they, they got very strong, positive records. A couple of losses each. I think uh, Chelaksaev only got one loss out of 19 fights. Uh, both can punch. So it's brilliant. Fantastic technically. Really nice to watch. So I'm inviting everyone, every boxing connoisseur or real boxing fan, not nationalistic one, but real one. I suggest you this card. The card will, will be fantastic. 30th of July, 7pm UK time. <clears throat> After
3: that, the British invasion commences with show three, I believe.
9: Completely. Show three. We've got Lucas Balingal fighting Arslan Magomedov. We've got Konrad Stemkowski fighting against Chechen Guy. Um, Ramzan Baisarov, and Shaw four, we've got senior Bifelt in the main event fighting Ismail Aliyev from Ingushetia, fantastic fight, really, really good fight, real fireworks, and we've got Kamil Sokolowski, Polish beloved heavyweight from, is a banana skin for every heavyweight in any, I mean, in any country, is fighting Jean Kasabowski, who's an absolute monster, with 13 fights, 13 wins, and 12 KOs. So, and, and there's an additional fight on the undercut, really, really good ones, you know? So, yeah, we've got, we've got uh, also, apart from Kamil, uh, apart from uh, Konrad Stepkowski and Lucas Balinger, we've got main event with Kingsley Ogunike from London, our Nigerian descent, British guy, very, very strong black fighter so fighting Sergei Shigash of the hooligan who beat an amateur Daniya Yuli That will be main event as well. Guys, it's a fantastic show, great international bonanza. I highly invite everyone to watch this. You will really enjoy it. I I, I promise you.
3: Seems like you're giving a platform to some of these kind of low-key, unsung British guys, the likes of Kingsley Egbenike and Lucas Ballingall, particularly
9: absolutely that's what i'm trying to do dan you know what it's like because not everyone is privileged to fight on bt sports and sky so i'm here for you guys for mid-layer guys who still have dreams and aspirations let's see if we can do it let's see if we're ready to, to participate in 50 50s and you know what it's like you don't take risks you don't gain anything in life no risk no champagne is a saying yeah so let's go guys
3: Never heard that one before. I've heard no risk, no reward, but yeah, I'll take no risk, no champagne. As long as the champagne's yeah. after the fights, obviously.
9: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. But the Sokolovsky fight's really
3: interesting because you've got a knockout kind of monster against someone who hardly ever gets stopped. In fact, someone who's known for upsetting some um, prospective top heavyweights So that's a, a really interesting one.
9: That's what I'm really hoping that Camille is going to do the business. Really, I really want upsets on my card. I mean, it's all predictability. Of course, people are going to say Sieste is a matchmaker. He knows the margins, he knows the 60 40s and 50 feet, 55 45. But cool. I think Camille Sokolowski can upset anyone at any time. This is how strong the guy is. And I am trying really to talk into that. Uh, speaking to them on a daily basis saying, guys, this is your chance. Kasabutsky's top 50. you beating him. You're in a different pay rate completely.
3: Can you give us an idea, without giving too much away, but can you give us an idea <clears throat> how the first show performed in terms of kind of views or buyers or
5: anything like that?
9: I mean, the views were very, very good. I mean, I can tell you, I had 15,000 illegal streams. I can tell you that. Wow. So we we we're cracking down on that. And, uh, I spoke to match TV to all the broadcasters who's bought it. So they, they implementing special system, uh, which I can't, I can't announce because otherwise I will sell the trick. I will sell the trap. So that will protect that will, it didn't do badly. Actually, I was, it's, it's around the numbers I was anticipating for the first show, considering that the lead time was very, very short and we never knew if we're coming or going until the last minute. So I expect it's to pick up. And with the last two cards, or even with this card, finished quite strongly. You know what I mean? So, all good, man. All good. I'm enjoying myself. I'm not thinking about money at the moment. I'm thinking about giving great content and enjoyment to boxing fans across the world. And Bill C.S., yes, the boxing brand, Gold Wars, and all the guys who participate in, in my events, you know.
3: There was obviously a package discount for people who subscribe to all four shows rather than just one at a time. Now yeah. one show's already in the past. Will there be a similar offer for people who just want to get the three shows?
9: Of course fifteen pounds for all three shows. Oh, that's brilliant. Yes. Or or they or their Guys, honestly. This is very, very good value. You really will enjoy that. I know you will enjoy. The production will be even better. I know I've got all the criticism I wrote down and everything, spoke to various people, UK guys, French, Russians, Japanese. I mean, everyone watched. They said, oh, maybe this or maybe that. So I'm expecting that to be even better and to be spectacular eventually. So all good, man. We're developing. We're evolving. We're evolving as we go along, you know?
3: I suppose that's the thing about the social media world in which we live now is that you can get that instant feedback on your shows and then implement it in time for the next one.
9: Absolutely, Danny. I'm a very open guy. Everyone who knows me, I'm really receptive to criticism. I love this because I take it as a positive guys. Without you, we will not be able to evolve. And with your feedback, it's like a construction bureau for the planes or for the for the space aircraft. You have to, you have to brainstorm all the time. You have to get every single opinion and consider that in order to be the best, you know?
3: It's three shows for less money than one. Uh, matchroom or BT pay-per-view.
9: Absolutely. Thank you very much for bringing that analogy. That's exactly what I'll be selling. But obviously, I can't compare my cards. Although in terms of fights, I don't think it's worse than matchroom or the sports But in terms of fighter profile, definitely there are much more unknown fighters on my show. Guys, but all I bring you is love to boxing, is love for boxing. And if you support me, we will have fantastic time. I will grow as a promoter. I can, I can bring you bigger names. And trust me, with my contacts, the only limit for me, is finance. If I would have had finances like big boys have, I guarantee you, I would have brought you far superior cards. You know? that's So that's, that's, good that's good the enough. situation. <laughs> we'll, we'll, yes, 100%. Trust me, 100%. Yeah, because exactly. I don't think about money. Yeah, I, we think like we apologize for interrupting you. Life is too short and we will, won't will take that money to us to the grave. So I want to be remembered for something for that crazy Russian guy who tried really hard and gave the world entertainment of boxing and tried to do something outside the box, you know?
3: If only there were no other crazy Russian guys, you'd already stand out. But <laughs> <you've> got, <laughs> you've got some competition, it's fair to say. Although, how can I talk? There's plenty of crazy guys here in Britain as well. Um, Looking forward to the show, um, July the 30th, which as we talk now is in two days' time, but I'm not sure when the video is going to go out, whether it be today or tomorrow, certainly before the show, otherwise what would be the point? Um,
9: fantastic, Yeah, yes. really
3: looking forward to it. And then even more so shows three and four when the British guys get involved.
9: Excellent, excellent. fantastic. And also I wanted to say there's a, a Institute of Sports Science here in Minsk. You can get coronavirus test on antigen and another one, swaps, with a two-hour turnaround time. I I love this. I just booked everyone today. We're going there in two hours. People are going to get swapped and blood taken from the finger. And that's it. In two hours, everyone will have the results. It's brilliant. I must admit, logistically, the organization-wise, the calmness and warmth from people in Minsk, the food, women, guys, fantastic. I'm telling you, this place is incredible. Very clean, very neat very friendly and very organized. Now I know why everyone wants to sanction this country because this country is a bit of an etalon. I don't know if you know that word. It's a good example of how you need to be living, really, in my opinion, not not to get political.
1: <laughs>
3: Belarus,
9: I, I, love, I love Belarus. You know, Belarus wonderful. tourist
3: board will be very gra- grateful, I'm sure. Yeah,
9: trust me, beautiful.
3: <laughs> Great stuff. All right, well, look forward to watching the show and um, I'm sure we'll catch up with you again after that one takes place before the third
9: one. Danny, thank you for your time, as usual, man. Very kind of you. And um, thank you for your support. God bless you. Seconds, I'll big up. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye.
11: This is Andy Perrow for Boxing Social in association with Betfred, and I'm delighted to boy Joe Gallagher here at Gallagher's Gym in Bolton. Joe, first and foremost, how are you
7: doing? Yeah, good, mate. Like I say, a uh, hot, sweating, tough session today. So um, yeah, no, we're all uh, in a good place up here.
11: Obviously, it was a tough session today for a few of the different uh, guys uh, who are all preparing for different reasons. But let's obviously start with the one who has a fight announcement, Tasha Jonas. She's getting ready to face Terry Harper next Friday night. Just talk me through her camp, Joe. How how impressed have you been?
7: No, I, I know lockdown sometimes, it was um, it was hard for a lot of people, but I think it was the best thing for Natasha. She was due to have had the fight, but she's come back into camp. Come next Friday, she will have 10 weeks in camp. Training's gone very well. Um, we did some work early on um, and then we brought in the right sparring partners and uh, yeah, as you're seeing today, two different sparring partners and um, but it's hard to go on how well a camp is, it, all that matters is the result on the night but I know if Natasha Jonas performs in the way that she has done um, in camp and carries that into the ring fight night, she wins that bell and rips them away in good style.
11: How do you actually expect the fight to play out? You know, How have you prepared Tasha to kind of deal with Terry's style and what do you expect Terry to bring into the fight?
7: Well, listen, Terry, there's a couple of things with Terry. when We've sat down and watched and studied her. When you do clip her, she goes for a walk. She's not keen up close. Um, bit of a dirty fighter up close. Hits the back of the head of the opponent. I don't know how many times. I think I'm going to be on to the referee about that. Um, but I think she'll box and move and box and move and jab and move. Come in in spurts throw her shots and get off again and run Um, and then I think she most probably wants to try and come and stand and trade late on but I do think she's going to try and uh, box and and nick rounds Uh, I think that's that's what they're going to do
11: I know Tasha's been waiting for ages for this type of opportunity her first world title uh, bout what do you think in your own opinion it would mean to her to be victorious next Friday night?
7: In, for, for the age of 36 and uh, the, the work ethic that she's put into this camp, her determination of focus left no stone unturned. She's just been embarrassing some of the fighters in the stable, but she's locked on. And a lot of people are going on a lost to Vivian Obinoff And um, boxing doesn't work that way. You lose to this one, that one beat that one, so that one should beat that one. It doesn't work that out. I've been in the game long enough and um, it'd be a huge achievement and... Um, like i said sasha there's no pressure on us bucky have got us a big underdog we're just quietly away going away doing our work all the pressure's on terry she's doing the sky promos with all the elite women athletes she's tipped as the next katie taylor big star opponent she's 23 she'll she should be a 36 over the hill girl that's how they see so we'll see who's over the hill uh come next friday but uh be a fantastic thing for tasha not only for tasha but for 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 women's sport because natasha um and people begin to lose sight of that they're, they're, they're not showing respect for natasha jonas which i'm getting annoyed about natasha like jane couch was there on the front line for women's boxing um boxing first british woman to qualify for the Olympics, first one to represent Britain at the Olympics, medalled at Worlds, medalled at Europeans, everything she's done as an amateur, like Jane Couch, Katie Taylor, had that great 2012 Olympic fight with Katie Taylor, people are, are talking Natasha down, there needs to be a, a little bit more respect um, shown towards Natasha Jonas, she's paid her dues in the sport and um, if there's a God out there she'll be rewarded handsomely uh, next Friday but uh people have got to remember like, what she's done for the sport and for female boxing.
11: Boxing behind closed doors as well. We've seen you know, match rooms, fight camp being erected and Eggins and Cheeseman will give us our first taste of what to expect for the, the coming shows as well. But how have you actually, have you at all in fact tried to emulate or kind of get a feel for what Tasha should expect next Friday night by trying to copy that type of atmosphere at all?
7: Um, no, not really. Natasha, like Terry Harper, I don't think neither of them would be all that bothered. They were amateurs, they were on a uh, boxing circuit. Natasha's used to going round the world for Team GB, trying to qualify in events in empty sports halls. So, no, not really. And I think Terry maybe it might affect Terry more because she's got used to having big crowds behind her for a big title, wins her IBO and WBC. Um, but for Natasha, no, I don't think we've replicated it. It's just what's got to be on the night. I think that the main thing is... Um, it Being outdoors, that like both girls are kept warm uh, beforehand and um, weather conditions, like I said, we don't want it to be raining and wind blown rain across the ring, so uh, no, we haven't prepared anything different there. The girls are well experienced enough, well, Natasha is, and uh, whatever come May on, on Friday should be prepared for.
11: What, what's kind of your plans with regards to next week, Venjo? When do you expect to be travelling down, and how do you think, you obviously, yourself and Natasha will cope with the bubble? Uh, of match room
7: camp, um, yeah me and Tasha have got to sit down and have a think about that I, I do think um, the match room bubble for a week there and that I think that's a way bit too much now um, uh, when you look at Premiership footballers go down the night before get tested play the next day Um, I see Hennessy Sports you only have to turn up on the Thursday for your fight Saturday I think the same with Frank and you see the government relaxing all the time they've brought masks in now And I just think we're all adults, we're not silly. Um, Me and Natasha, we have our own bubble up here. Um, Natasha's a carer for her mum, I'm a carer for mine. Um, And I think some of them days, I think we'll be better off, safer up here than being down there. Um, As long as we're there on the night for the fight, I think that's all that matters. But uh, we've got to sit down and talk about it at the end of the week. Obviously, Natasha's a mum, she's got a child off school. Um, we've got to see what's what's best for Natasha Jonas but at the end of the day we'll be there for the win and we'll be there for the fight and they're the things that matter
11: Obviously just to move away from Natasha as well we saw Marcus Morrison here today he hasn't got anything yet but he has said to me previously he said to me today he'd love to fight Brian Rose he wanted one of Cash and Wellborn but they they are scheduled to face each other is that possible? Do you think we could see Marcus versus Brian Rose?
7: I think so, I think it's a good fight Um, I think Brian Rose has the appetite for it um, and I do think it's a good fight. It's a good fight up here in the north, um, whether De Hearn wants to put it on or Frank Warren or Mick Hennessy. Well, that that's a good fight. That for a, I wouldn't say it's a top of the bill fight, but it's a good chief support, entertaining fight. And uh, yeah, I think it's one that hopefully we'll see made um, sooner rather than later.
11: Just touch on some of the other guys in the gym as well, Joe. Um, start off with Jose Burton. Obviously, I didn't see Jose today. MTK starting to, to bring their shows back as well. Though. What's the latest, if anything, do you have with regards to the, the Golden Contract Tournament? Uh,
7: no, I, mean, I spoke to Ozzy yesterday. Ozzy has been in the gym um, the last four or five weeks, sparring uh, Chad Sugden for his fight, uh, pitters. And I was in yesterday and he just said to me, oh, that uh, it might happen the end of September. So, obviously, in the gym, he's sparring. Um, He's got so much on at home at the moment, that's why he wasn't in today, but he'll be in tomorrow. Um, yeah, but hopefully he'll be ready. So hopefully, whenever back end of September, Jose is being told. Anyway, we're looking at something, so we're, we'll be prepared for that. I just hope it doesn't clash on a calm Smith-Canelo-delayed fight, if that ever happens
11: we will come on to Callum very shortly Joe because I know it's something that everybody's going to be keen for me to ask about but just to kind of stick with the rest of the team uh, Paul Butler I didn't see Paul today what's the latest with him I know you mentioned uh, Prince Patel last time anything
7: going on? Um, no listen Paul, Paul's in the gym in and out of the gym he's just in ticking over um, but like you said we were we mentioned the Prince Patel um, there's, there's an appetite for it from what we've seen on social media and that but like I said we've just got to wait with this lockdown and Opponents, there's not that many in this country that can fight, and I just thought Patel was a, a good fight for Paul Butler to tick boxes. And uh, yeah, like I say, we're all trying to move forward, but one hand tied behind our back at the moment, aren't we? And uh, I'm hearing now Matchroom might do a show in September, a um, bit of a test live event with a bit of a crowd there. So if that goes well, and Frank Warren and Mick Hennessy start getting crowds in, then maybe we can start looking in and putting Paul out in October time.
11: Callum Johnson as well, another man who I never saw today. I know that last time I came up, he was he was kind of waiting for hotels to open back up so he could come up and get into camp. Any news or an update on Callum and where kind of his coming months or the rest of his career will kind of play out now?
7: Uh, listen, Callum Johnson's been in training since January the 1st. He was due to a fought for the European title in March, then put back to April Newcastle, then put to Dylan White May, then there's a lockdown, then there was about approach fighting in the garden, but would he take a pay, pay cut? And Callum said no, so Callum's in the gym, he's training like a lunatic, you can all follow him on social media, and so he is, but he'll be back up here very soon, um, training, um, because hopefully he'll uh, be part of uh, Callum Smith's team if we get this fight with uh, Canelo. We'll
11: come on to Callum now, because obviously he's been mentioned a couple of times there, Um, from what I've seen, from what I've kind of been told, he seems to be the front runner Callum to get the Canelo fight, it's just a matter of... very small margins with regards to finances uh, in around a million pounds difference for what Callum would like as a purse can you just update us on the entire situation Joe where does everything lie between Canelo and Callum Smith
7: I think you find out more when you log on to Twitter in the morning when you wake up um, from the reports when you look at ESPN in Mexico and their press there was something like there's a, there's a there's a million dollars difference somewhere on the lines, and then you see Canelo having issues with the zone lawyers or uh, having issues with Oscar De La Hoya. We don't know what's going on back there. All we know is Callum Smith's put his name in the frame. He's taking less money, um, and uh, we want that fight. Um, I know whether Renoso in an interview was turned around and he says we want to fight Callum Smith. That's the kid we've picked. I've been told the zone want Callum Smith, there's no going back, that's the kid they want to make, so however they come around to give Callum the money, whether it does be between Golden Boy, the zone, Eddie Hearn, Matchroom, that's the figures, they've just got to get the figures out and the fight will be made. I think the likelihood of being September the 12th now, going up against a Roy Jones Mike Tyson, I think it'd be very hard, I think I don't care whether you're a boxing fan or a casual, but the I won't say freak show, but the the, 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 the event, people who tune in and will pay to watch that. It's it's the not knowing, the wondering, and um, that's a very hard to go up against that. I don't care whether you are Canelo or not, and if they do, it's, it's a big gamble, um, but if they're wanting to launch the zone in the UK, um, to get the subscribers, I think they may have to look at like moving a day. I don't know. I'm only speculating, like I say, I say to Callum every day, he says there's no update, not heard anything, and um, like you say, we get sometimes journalists from America phoning or you get a text saying, congratulations, I've heard you got the Canelo fight, I come into the gym to Callum, say, hey, Callum, have we got it? Not heard anything. So it's like it's like the other week, someone says, oh, Callum was injured. I'm like, where, where, where's that come from? But there's people in America also as well putting rumours out there to stop Callum getting the fight. So uh, like you say, it's up to Eddie Hearn, The Zone, Eddie Golden Boy, whoever to... Get that purse, get that fight, and, and let's go. Like I say, it'll be a great fight. And I think boxing needs a super fight. We're hearing reports now that the Lemachenko fight is done for October the 3rd. Hopefully, Tyson and Joshua, uh, their respective fights by the end of the year. So the big fight's beginning to come now. And uh, I think Canel will be fuming if he doesn't get another Cinco de Mayor in. but uh, Wait, if it wants to be September the 12th, Calm Smith will be ready for it. They're not going to catch us, as you've seen today. did 10 hard rounds today, and uh, he's in the gym. and uh, He did a, a check way today, and uh, we're all ready to go, but we're not going to get caught with our pants down, as I say.
11: Do you know if there have been talks, though? Do you know if, like, how or if there's been any negotiations? And if there has been, how have they have gone?
7: No, from what I believe, that there has been negotiations. What Callum has said, um, it's out there that there's a figure that there's five on the table out there, um, and that was even reported in the British press. And now saying to Callum, is that true? Because every all journalists seem to know new business before we do. So um, like I said, there's negotiations. There must be a feather in. Also, saying they want it, and the zone saying they want it. So there's negotiations. Um, last week, Willie Munro Jr. became a, a, a front-runner and John Ryder was the week before or Ole or whoever else is out there. So, listen, you, you've just got to play the game, play the sweepstakes, but uh, we're training and we've got to be ready and I know Can- Canelo's ready, so it's up to the people in the higher positions to come up with the finance to, to pay the five. We're not after silly money. Well, Callum isn't what your Kovalevs and your Jacobs were, do you know what I mean? So, uh I'm only talking about stuff that's already out there, really. Like I said, so you wake up in the morning and you find out on Twitter more than you do yourself.
11: What's the cut-off point for yourself um, with regards to kind of training Callum for a fight with Canelo? Do you have a date in mind when you want to say, right, if he's not here, boy, then if he's not signed, we need to focus on another opponent. I spoke to Callum earlier and Callum said he imagines it's getting close to that point. Is there a date in mind that you have at all?
7: Well, I think that there's a, a point for him being mentally switched on for Canelo um, you're talking September the 12th six weeks but then if that doesn't happen I expect Callum to be out last weekend and September first weekend in October I need Cam Smith to be out so he's six to nine weeks away it's just having that mindset right it is Canelo we know what we're doing no it's not Canelo it's whoever do you understand so that's it I think that, that that's where that cut off point comes but we are training to fight within six to nine week period
11: uh, Callum mentioned earlier, you know, Billy Joe. That's still a name which is creeping up. Do you think it's possible that we might, we should, or we may see, or not should, but we could see uh, Billy Joe versus Callum Smith if Canelo doesn't take place?
7: It's always a possibility. It's always a possibility. I see Billy Joe linked to Andrade as well. Um, Billy Joe, Daniel Jacobs. There's lots of names out there. So Callum said he'll fight anyone and everyone. So um, yeah, it's a possibility.
11: Just away from Callum on to another Smith brother then uh, Liam Smith. We haven't t- seen Beefy today. You know how Liam? How's Liam doing? Obviously he's got his newborn as well.
7: Yeah, no, Liam's great. He's been in the gym uh, twice a week sparring Sam Egerton, um, and then once a week. So he did his last spar with Sam uh, last week. He's in the gym. He's ticking over, and the same with him. It's it's just waiting for this international ban, this quarantine, being able to talk about him fighting in America. Um, fighting opponents out there, so yeah, it's, it's 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 the same for Liam. It's just like, like Butler, like Callum Johnson. We're just, like I said, we're trying to move forward with boxing, but with one arm behind our back. But the fighters are in the gym. They're ticking, they're ticking over. They're sparring, they're coming in and doing a sparring session a week, doing a couple of bag sessions a week. They're away from here. They're doing the S and C, um, so they're still ticking over. No one in this gym has switched totally off. No one. I'll, I'll never have that. And uh, Liam, same thing again. He's just wanting to get going.
11: Final thought I want to touch on before we just touch on a few other things in the boxing world. Uh, Stephen Smith, I've had a few conversations with Stephen and Liam McCallum have both said he's kind of in that place now where he doesn't know what to do. He came back after that horrific ear ear injury, picked up a few wins and then he goes into lockdown again. So he doesn't know whether to effectively continue with his career or to hang up his gloves. What do you think will be the most likely outcome with Stephen? Do you think we will see him back in the ring?
7: Um, I think we will do. I think Stephen's like... 30 40% 30 percent of boxers in the country, whether they're after lockdown, whether they're going to come back to boxing, they found other ways of making money, they've had to get a job, they've got families and children to support, peer pressure from the parents to call it a day, especially fighters who are on ticket deals, promoters aren't interested in them because they don't really have to sell tickets. Um, so I think Stephen's, like many out there, it just depends, like you say, what opportunities are presented on the table. But I, w- I think I would see Stephen Smith back in the ring. I don't think that his career is finished yet. And um, whether that's by the end of this year, the beginning of next year, we'll just have to wait and see. And there, uh, but I, I do think there's a there's another big fight in Stephen Smith yet.
11: And you also mentioned, you know, Mike Tyson, and Roy Jones Jr. They agreeing to to face each other later this year. Just what was your kind of reaction to that, Joe? We know that we've seen a lot of the legends of the sport back in training kind of teasing comebacks, and they've come out and said that it's all agreed and they're going to be facing each other. Did you actually think that we would see you know two past legends of the sport to get back into the ring at the time when we were seeing the videos and what have you flying about over social media?
7: Nada, did I? I know Mike Tyson was was coming back and I thought it would be an exhibition of such. We've seen in the past Chavez and Jorge Asa Akra, having uh, exhibition fights in uh, Mexico and I thought it would be something along the lines but when you're putting someone of the likes of Mike Tyson <laughs> in a ring, Mike isn't having an exhibition, is Mike's mindset. And, I, and that's one thing I, I worry for them. Like Roy Jones hasn't been out of the ring that long. He only fought like up to three years ago, I think. Um, it's Mike reawakening that mindset when he seemed to have got over a, a lot of issues when he finished and became happy in life and uh, it, it was in hangover and was just enjoying life and backing and having that mindset to get in and hurt somebody and everything else and uh, it's good to see him but I think it's also sad it's like when we watch Sugar Ray Leonard too long and we've seen Leonard Hearns three I think it was a Leonard Duran three and it's just like oh it's way past it do you know what I mean and uh Roy Jones Jr. You know I mean, both good talkers of the sport. Um, I just don't want to see any of them get hurt. I just want—I know it's over eight rounds. Whether they've got the the fitness capability to do eight rounds, most of sure they have. But uh, it's so sad to, to to see people taking unnecessary punishment at that, at that age. And I don't want a bit ageism, like right? do you know what I mean? And then you have a Holyfield, um wanting to do it now, and other fighters, and I think. Big John Fury's to blame for it all, really, for coming out (laughs) saying he's the hardest 50 man, 50 odd year old man in the world. (laughs) I think Mike Tyson, Hollerfield, and everyone's seen that and thought, no, you're not, but yeah. (laughs) So uh, that's joking aside, John, don't be starting coming for me. But uh, do you understand? So it's, it it is, but saying that though, it it is a fascination. I do feel people will pay, people will tune in, people will watch it. I think there's YouTubers going on it now and the undercard of the event, and it is what it is, but. it's sad. I don't think not neither fighters are stuck for money. I just think it's something in the system what I get out. And now there's talk of Oscar De La Hoya um, wanting to come back and uh, said to for throw your name in the mix for that. Tell Oscar, don't do 154. We'll fight you at 160. And uh, yeah, that like is Oscar De La Hoya wanting to come back. And I don't know. It's uh, You can't make sense of uh, 2020, can you? It's like the world's gone mad. So uh, i seen someone the other day say, can we just reset it? There seems to be... The world's gone mad at the moment, but like say, it'll be interesting to watch. People say, will you watch it? Of course I'll watch it. The two great fighters, I just don't want to see them get hurt or um, go out and it'll be remembered that way. We all remember Mike tearing it apart, age 21, coming through, and Roy Jones, and uh, if both fighters could have retired way back then, before they got beat, um, they would have been right up there as pound-for-pound greats.
11: Just away from that, and I just welcome on to PBC. PBC announced their cards for the coming months ahead uh, just a matter of a couple of weeks ago. Was there any in particular that kind of caught your audio? We mentioned Charlo and Derivanchenko downstairs. Are there any other fights that PBC announced which in particular you're keen on?
7: That one that you mentioned, I think that's a really good fight. Um, what others did they mention? Uh,
11: Davis and Santa Cruz.
7: Good fight. I just think Javante Davis is um, too big, too strong. I think, you no know, disrespect to the Walsh when he fought him. Could see that there, Santa Cruz. I think he's always been known as Al Heyman's like golden child. Uh, whether it's a, a big payday for him or whatever, or he's believe he- he's matured because Leo's always looked still like a baby, no matter what his age. He's physically developed, and the fans, it they may have sparred in the past, and they now know something that we don't. But that's a good fight as well. So um, it's a good like, line up of fights um coming up. But I do like the Devachenko fight. I think that that's that's a really good fight. Like you say, they're all coming forward. Eddie Hearn with his up for the next few weeks. Frank Warren with his McHennise. I think the promoters are trying to make the best fights possible out there. And um, it's hard in this climate, and it's hard asking fighters to take pay cuts uh, in a, in this day and age when um, they're still going in the ring and putting the health on the line, do you know what I mean? It's, it's still a, a very dangerous sport.
11: Just a word on Charlo Derevyanchenko. What are your thoughts on it, Joe? How do you actually see that fight playing out?
7: is a very tough fighter. He was offered to Liam Smith. Um, obviously, Liam said, said, yeah, Liam will fight anyone, but uh, and he was in the running for the Canelo fight. It's a very tough fighter, but I just think Charlo's got to be on it 100%. He can't slip up, um, and if he doesn't slip up, I just think I just think he'll, he'll, he'll win it, but it'll be a very tight decision.
11: Final thing, Joe. Uh, Luke Campbell, Ryan Garcia seems to be getting ever closer. Just your thoughts on that one, Joe. If it does get completely confirmed and we have the fight that what have you announced, just what, how do you think that fight will play out? I
7: think it's a very good fight. I think Luke Campbell's acquitted himself well in the two fights with Jorge Linares, Lemachenko. Um, Darcy have like they are when they're coming through from that part of the world very bullish very full of confidence has speed has a nasty a bit like a Nazim Hamad he's got that nasty streak to him nasty snap to him and uh, I think if he hurts Luke he won't let him off he'll throw everything at him in a Calzaghi way fast hands but Luke's experience of being in with Linares and Lemachenko and the game plan Knowing that he can perform at that level, and I think he can equip himself really well. He just can't get tagged. If he gets tagged, I think Garcia will be all over him. But I do think Luke Campbell can cause him a lot of problems in this fight. It's a it's a real good pick and fight.
11: My final final thing, Joe. I promise you this. I um, saw Anthony Crawler earlier, and I was watching him. He was just every now and then, he maybe just throw a jab himself. He'd look in the mirror, maybe like you know, do a little feint, just just kind of looking like he's got a little bit of a gleam in his eye have you ever looked at him when he's helping you out and thinking what's going through his mind
7: he's in here like two three times a week helping us out and i think it, them little things he gets excited about when he's watching the sparring or it's getting in a fight with tasha so the whole gym's excited but he'll be there one minute and he'll be helping the pads the next minute he's over there doing chin-ups or he'll be over there doing dips he'll just jump down in the ring and do 30 press-ups and Anthony's always been in the gym, he's always fit, he always looks after himself, but he knows himself, he'll never fight again, he knows that he won't fight again, but he likes being around the gym, there's nothing stopping him punching bags, doing chin dips, but he knows himself he'll never fight again, he just likes to keep fit, it's in him, isn't it? So he has them giddy moments, but I'm telling you now, he, he knows that there's no comeback, so I don't have to worry about that.
11: In fact, I know I've said this is your final question, and it's the third time that I'm going to say it now, but I forgot to ask you, and cheeseman obviously, we've seen Liam doing some sparring with Sam Eginson ahead of that bout on Saturday night. Just what are your thoughts on it, Joe? How do you expect the bout between Sam Eginton and Ted Cheeseman to play out?
7: Well, if Sam egerton has been doing what he's been doing up here, sparring, and taking on board the advice Liam has been giving him, and what John Pegg's been telling him, I've been hugely impressed with Sam Eginton. Um, I know people say he's been in the wars, had a lot of hard fights, a lot of miles on the cock for a young fighter. But if he turns up like he has been here, I expect him to beat Ted Cheeseman. Saying that though, Ted Cheeseman, he's got a point to prove, obviously he's coming back. It's a good crossroads fight for him. He's got a good movement, Ted Cheeseman can punch. And um, you think to yourself, well, has Cheeseman got to catch Sam a getting on the way in and hurt him? Or is Sam Egerton going to grind him down like he did with Frankie Gavin and Paulie Malinaj? Do you understand? And you've got to look at them performances, and they like make you sit up and take heed. Like Sam's more than just what people think he is. To beat someone as skilled as Frankie Gavin and Paul Malinaj, maybe they weren't the best versions of themselves. It's still a good result. He still went in there, still kept focus. And I think when Sam Egerton is focused and on it, as he has been when we've seen him up here. I think it's a nightmare for anyone, but I think it's a, it's a really good fight um, and Sam Egan has to win well to get the decision.
11: Joe, we will finally leave out there now. I promise I haven't got any more final questions. Okay. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you. Obviously, best of luck next week and I'll speak to you soon. Once again, thank you for your time and thank you Speed Boxing Social.
7: Cheers, no problem, Andy. Thanks for uh, coming up and seeing us all today.